I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, and welcome to the New European Podcast, brought to you in association with Progress, the centre-left Labour pressure group, changing Labour policy, stopping a Tory hard Brexit, Marching for a people's vote, your remain home in Labour. My name's Richard Porritt, I'm joined by Jerry Scott. Hello. A little bit later, we're going to be speaking to John Rain. Very funny man on Twitter, very funny man in real life. It's very exciting. He does a very, very good podcast, which is basically he's detailed lots of Bond films with hilarious consequences. And now he's doing the same with Michael Caine. So myself I've and Steve. I've seen one Bond film. Have you? Which one? Yeah, Skyfall. Let the sky <laughs> fall. You're a regular Adele. I am. I am. And um, yes, well, I've seen lots, but uh, the but Steve and John are like Bond experts. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Steve will, of course, crown a Brexiteer of the week. But let's get to the news first, Jerry. Let's talk about John McDonald first. Yeah, interesting, huh? So, John McDonald spoke, he spoke at an event on uh, Tuesday evening. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a Guardian Live event, actually, somewhere in London. And a packed out hall where he basically said that he thought a people's vote was inevitable. Because it's looking more less and less like there was going to be an opportunity for Labour to get a general election. Yeah, fine. So their position has been... We will push for a general election. Yeah. Which surely is the position of any opposition party. Any opposition, yeah. Um, No, we don't want a general election. We're not interested in that. If we can't get that, and the six points in Keir Starmer's very clever (laughs) six-point test aren't met, and we're never going to be worthy, um, then they wouldn't take anything off the table. Yeah, fine. But there's been a definite softening, I think, from McDonnell on whether or not a people's vote is... A possibility. Yeah, I mean, it's been kind of teased, hasn't it, for it has. weeks and weeks and months and months, and it kind has. of jumping in and saying, "Oh, yeah, but this is a pretty it, well, it was a pretty strong kind of." Well, it, what it, it certainly seemed to be on Tuesday evening. Then on Wednesday, he spoke to the lovely Laura Coonsberg, mm-hmm. and he went even further and said, "A people's vote is inevitable." His words. Celebrations all around. Well, you'd think so, wouldn't you? Later on in the day. Labour reined that in and said the official party position is what we agreed at conference, which is that nothing will be taken off the table. Wrapped him on the knuckles and said, put it all back in a bit. It's interesting though, isn't it? There's lots of interesting things happening here. Now, those of us who talk to Labour people and have been around Labour a little bit know that for the last six months, certainly since the summer, John McDonnell and Jeremy Corbyn have maybe not been as good a pals as they once were. Oh no. Uh, In fact... I was told by a very good source that there were uh, occasions 
during recess in the summer where phone calls were being ignored. Um, what party leadership does to a relationship. Richard. There you go, quite possibly. Well, what, what a shock. A, a, um, a, a chancellor or shadow chancellor and the leader not getting on. It seems to have never been, happened before, has it? Seems to have been the narrative of British politics for about 25 years now. So that's interesting because McDonnell obviously is is sticking his sticking his neck out yeah. here. Do you do you agree with him though? Um, firstly, obviously you would you, you would want there to be a people's vote, but do you agree with him that that is Labour's best route? That should be their position now. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I think you know I've said lots of times on this podcast before that um, Labour's kind of sitting on the fence has done them no favours in so many different situations, not just with Brexit. Um, I think it's about time they kind of you know came out and said, yes, the people's vote is the only way that we can sort this. Sure. So for, for a long time at PMQs, Corbyn just simply didn't talk about Brexit. Yeah. And we would smash our head against the table every Wednesday lunchtime when you would come out and talk about very important and worthy issues like trains and buses and food banks and things like that, all very important issues. But why is he not addressing the single biggest issue in, in British life and British politics. Yeah, and it, always, it just always seemed like it would be such an easy win for him as well, didn't exactly. it? That was the most frustrating bit. Just it really it. did. It really did. And then he did start to talk about Brexit. Yep. And, and for, for a number of weeks now, all six questions have been on Brexit, quite rightly so. But again, this week, he picks around the edges of stuff. He picks yep. around the edge of the deal, doesn't he? And, and it's fine. He's got something to really oppose now, the deal. We don't like it. We're going to vote it down. Yep. Good, fine. But imagine, imagine the bombshell he could drop. And something inside me, the theatrical Richard, thinks that if there is this TV debate, which is looking likely, both seem to have agreed yeah. to it. And I think we're looking at maybe the Sunday evening beforehand, so we're looking at a meaningful vote. We've got a little jingle for the meaningful vote. <laughs> <you know? laughs> But I haven't, I haven't managed to do it, so maybe I'll do it for next week. But it'll, it'll be a meaningful vote. In the, do you remember, do you remember a television show called Blankety Blank? Yes, I do actually. So ready, meaningful vote. Oh my God. Meaningful <laughs> vote. Meaningful vote. Meaningful vote. Meaningful vote. Meaningful vote. Meaningful vote. Meaningful vote. It was beautiful. So I'm going to try and sort that out for next week, perhaps. Um, so two days before the meaningful vote. Um, hopefully we're going to get this TV debate. Now, if it is just a prolonged PMQs where Corbyn says, you know, picks around the edge again, then it's going to be very dull. But if he walks in and goes, do you know what? You're not going to give us the general election. So, we're going to back a people's vote. It's the perfect opportunity, isn't it? If you're going to do it, it's the best time to do it. It would be a one of those times when you go, <gasps> when was the last time politics made you go, <gasps> Right, yesterday afternoon. <laughs> I mean, no, not so much, a, but more of a. Uh. Uh-huh. I think the last time when it, apart from, you know, g- the general election result, I think it was the last time. But my favourite one was when I saw that Times front page and Andrew Ledson had said <laughs> <laughs> she should be the leader because she's a mother. Uh-huh. So yes, if he just to do it, then what what we would see immediately would be a spike in his polling. Hundred percent, yeah, yeah, I think so. I, you know, just look at the people who are turning out for marches and stuff like that. The number of people, and I really think it would, yeah, help. And do you buy this constant labour fear that they will lose all their voters in leave areas? No, I think the tide has shifted enough now. I, I guess I kind of understood that fear to begin with. Mm-hmm. I think the tide has shifted enough now and people have realised kind of what a screw-up this whole thing is, that 
they would be more on board with the people. So even if it was for them to say, you know, to, to vote to continue, I think the just the prospect for people's vote isn't as threatening as it might want to might want to be. And do you think that it, it really would be down to Corbyn then, wouldn't it? And we know he's very good at campaigning, we know he's very good on the stump to go to those areas in the North East, some parts of Yorkshire in the North Western, um, where they've had a strong um, traditional Labour vote who happened to have voted Leave. He, he needs to go out there and tell them why May's deal and why no Brexit would be hugely damaging. Yeah, for... he'd have to get on his feet and kind of get out there, tell them what is going on and why things need to be this way, even if, like I say, even if it's just a vote that they're then going to you know, just repeat their previous vote in. If he did that, do you think that the next Prime Minister would be Jeremy Corbyn or a Labour one, at least? I think a Labour one. I'm not sure it would be Jeremy Corbyn. I'm not convinced that he's cut out for it, mm. in all honesty. OK, OK, fascinating stuff. Um, we need to talk about the Daily Mail, I think. We do. Full disclosure, I used to work at the Daily Mail. <gasps> I know, another guy. <laughs> I did, it's true. And uh, and even fuller disclosure, the current editor of the Daily Mail was one of my previous editors, <laughs> Geordie Gregg. Um, it's changed a great deal, hasn't it, in yeah. a very short space of time. It's been super interesting to watch and kind of see how, um, you know, the different leaders and things like that and the, the direction it's taking. It's really it, interesting. It really has changed. And uh, let, just for those of you who aren't obsessed with the media, as myself and Jerry are, um, Paul Dacre, the, the previous... Daily Mail editor, very staunch, hardline Brexiteer. Yeah. Started to lose the plot a little bit, I think, when he called High Court judges the enemies of the people. Yeah, it wasn't the best, that, was um, it? That incredible front page with Theresa May looking like... Um, the crushed the saboteurs. Yeah, after the day the election was called. she That front always reminds... Because they really zoomed in on her, and she she's very um, expressive in her face. She is. Um, but she, it's a dream for picture editors. But she looked really sort of steely and a little bit deranged. Yeah. And she reminded me of, uh, here's Johnny. Uh, <laughs> I've seen that one as well. She did remind me that, here's Teresa. Um, since D- Dicker left um, in what uh, hasn't been publicly suggested, but there does seem to be that, that, that Rothermere, who owns the Pippa, was keen to maybe detoxify the brand a little bit. Mm-hmm. So Dicker, who was uh, sorry, so Jody Gregg, who was the editor of the Mail on Sunday, which by the way supported Remain. Yeah. So, you know, whatever you think of the Daily Mail's owners, they certainly weren't stamping down and saying everyone had to support Brexit. The editors were given editorial freedom. Uh, Murdoch did the same, by the way, because not all Murdoch's papers voted Brexit. Um, he is now the editor of the Daily Mail. So let's... Uh, and all, almost overnight, the tone softened. So he had them attacking the MPs who were potentially resigning and putting letters in last week, which would have definitely been backed by Dacre. Yep, yep. Um, and on Wednesday this week, I've got the paper here in front of me. A real-life paper? real-life actual one, not on any of these tablet devices no. or on your cell phones. The front page says, so now will MPs listen? And it's a, a fascinating, although not a huge sample, poll, whereby the results showed that MPs, uh, that the public thought that MPs should back Theresa May's deal. So they're not, they haven't gone, we need to remain in the EU no. now. Well, they're saying that softer Brexit is the right way forward. Mm-hmm. But let's look at some of these figures, because if you look a little bit deeper, it's fascinating. 
So, should MPs back May's Brexit deal? Yes, 41%. Mm-hmm. No, 38%. That's close, isn't that it? That is close, isn't it? Yeah. So they're screaming on the front page that this is a you know yeah. a clear mandate. Not really, is it? Now let's turn to page two. Hidden away on page two. Anyone who's ever put a newspaper together will know that page two is the least read page <laughs> in the whole paper, pretty much. Um, page two, here it is. is Why all your stuff ends up on that? Yes, it does tend to, doesn't it? Um, should I... Well, I did used to have a column on page two in the New European. No one noticed, surprisingly, when it was given the old elbow by the editor. Um, And on there, there's some of the other questions that they decided not to put on their front page. Mm -hmm. This is the one that is fascinating. Should there be a people's vote on Mrs May's Brexit deal? 48% of the people that the Daily Mail and Servation quizzed said yes. Incredible. Yeah. And no was 34%. So a clear majority there of people who were surveyed saying there should be a people's vote. If that had been in any of the other papers, or certainly The Guardian or The Mirror, that would have been the splash. Yeah, 100%. Um, we, we put that right yesterday on the European website, reporting on this. And um, so th- that's fascinating. I think what we're seeing now is even a sample that is used by the Daily Mail are suggesting that we do need to go back and have another say. Yeah. Uh, whether or not it will, be, you know, if I think still, if you were to ask just Daily Mail readers um, how they would vote in the second referendum, we would still see a Leave vote. Yeah, I think so too. But it, it's almost become not just about we were, let's get rid of this. Not just about whether or not we should leave or remain, but how, in fact, do we break the impasse? Hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Now, Jerry, I asked you to do something in preparation for the podcast today. Yeah, the things I do for this podcast. And I know that you were finding this quite tricky, weren't you? Pains, it pains me. So what I've asked you to do is to... Because Theresa May's travelling the country. She's been to Scotland. Mm-hmm. Okai the new. <laughs> Same to you. <laughs> <laughs> My grandfather was Scottish, so he will be... That's for him. Yeah. He'll be very proud. He's dead, but if he wasn't, he'd be proud. She's been to Wales. Yep. Boyo. Yeah. I had a girlfriend from Wales. Did you? She may well be listening, she's a fan. Uh-huh. Um, so that's for you. I won't name her. <laughs> so her husband might listen. Oh, she's not still my girlfriend. <laughs> and um, <laughs> it's a long time ago. And she's been promoting her Brexit deal. Yeah. Theresa May's big Brexit deal. Mm-hmm. It's not gone that well, has it, this far? It's not been amazing. It's um, not inspired kind of, you know, confidence and uh, congratulation in every quarter. <laughs> not, not really any quarter, but we'll get back to your predictions at the end. So what I asked you to do was to come up with some good things that are in some reason. Some yeah. things that we as Remainers, um, but, 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 but surely I'd like to think that we're all pragmatic Remainers mm-hmm. rather than the, just the opposite of the bonkers hardline Brexiteers. Um, so come on, fire away. What are the good things in there? Oh God, this was really, really difficult. Um, and... Jerry's had a tough week anyway, and <laughs> she's been very busy with lots of other things, and then I asked her to do this. Um, the, the best kind of justification for Theresa May's deal I could come up with was, it's the best we've got. Which <laughs> I know isn't a ringing endorsement, but it is true. It is the best we've got. You know, you've got um, Mark Carney, haven't you, today, recording on Thursday, saying that um, we could plunge back into a recession worse than 2008 if um, we come out with no deal and 
we've obviously spoken before about you know lack of medicine lack of food the um motorways becoming lorry parks etc 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 um so we obviously don't want that so is it better to just go with her deal that's that was kind of my bottom line it was it was really difficult it is a risky thing i think for me the risk in this this deal is a is a is a much better deal than the deal she was telling us we were going to get in uh, Lancaster House. Yeah. Speech. Yeah. However, it is deeply flawed, of as you are quite you are quite right to say. And what we see now, of course, is Remain and Zand Leavers again, and now and now pals again in here. Who in knew it would I mean, unite us? It is an extraordinary, extraordinary situation. Um, but the worry is, I think, for for us pragmatic Remainers is that if the deal doesn't get through, the likelihood of a no deal is greater. Yeah, exactly. Uh, also, the likelihood of a people's vote is greater. Yeah. Can we trust this bunch of 650 or 649, taking the speaker out, of MPs to make the right decision on anything? I mean, history tells just, us no. <laughs> yeah, so would we just end up crashing out? Yeah. This deal is better than crashing out. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's my fear. This deal is better than crashing out. Um, and... Politics in 2018 being what it is, I don't think we could put kind of all our eggs in MPs making the decision to allow people to vote. That's the worry. So we come to... Well, you were just telling me off air. This is a great analogy, isn't it? It's great. You were just telling me off air. So what happened last night, Jerry? Last night I won a pub quiz. Congratulations. Could you give us a sample question, see if I can get it? Um, Okay, I'll ask you the... um, the tiebreaker that actually ended up ruining it for us. Oh, well, you go on then. How long is the Suez Canal? To the nearest... You can have a mile each way. To the nearest mile? That's what we were given. It was wow. a tough quiz. Uh, well, it's it's a good question to ask because, you know, Christ, British crisis. Yep. <laughs> British crisis. <laughs> oh, dear. I'm not really good at geography. Uh, let's see... Hundred and seventy-six miles. We guessed one hundred and fifty. It's a hundred. Oh really? Yeah. And yeah, yeah. so what happened? You, so, that, so you won the quiz. We won the quiz, and then you gambled on that question. Gambled on that question to double our winnings and lost it all. Oh, did you win anything? Packet of crisps. There you go. Brexit Britain. What sort of crisps? Uh, cheddar kettle chips. Oh, okay. So posh. Crisps. Posh crisps. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So there, maybe that lesson. Is a lesson we should all learn. That we're all going to be left with a packet of kettle chips. Packet of kettle chips um, for all under no deal Brexit. Mm-hmm. There is some terrifying uh, financial forecasting that's come out this week. Um, for, I mean, I love the fact that Jacob is going, oh, don't worry, Mark Carney, what does he know? <laughs> Quite a lot. Yeah, he's been one of the most stable figures in British public life for, for some years now and should be listened to. I am sick of hearing every time, you know, there's some prediction about how rubbish it'll be if we crash out with an idea of them. You know, it's scaremongering, it's scaremongering. No, it's scary. Yeah, scary. Different. <laughs> very, very different. Very different. Right, so I've got Theresa May's deal. Let's get rid of that. So, firstly, what do you want to happen with that deal? And secondly, what do you think will happen? Well, I'd love, obviously love to see a people's vote uh-huh. on it. Um, Are you willing to set the risk? Well, look what happened to me last night. I've been stung once before. Roulette. Yeah. Brexit roulette, that's what we're playing. I think, even though Theresa May's deal is the best we've got, it's still not great. It's not like everything's going to be okay. No. 
So I think it's worth the risk. Right. I think it's worth taking the risk and then potentially getting people's vote. Um, what do you think will happen? I fear that there's going to everyone's just going to be far too scared to take the risk. And it'll squeeze through. And it'll squeeze through. I think you're right. Jerry, pleasure as always. John Rain is next. That's a bomb thing. Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to The New European. Your first 13 issues of The New European are only £13 when you join us and become a subscriber. Order by telephone by calling 01858 438840 and quoting Podcast One or order online at our website www.neweuropean.co.uk Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to The New European. Welcome back. I'm joined by Steve... But we've got a, a much more special guest than you, Steve. Thank you. We've got the host of the genius Smirsh Pod, one of the funniest men on Twitter, an exasperated Remainer. It's John Rain. John Rain, how are you? I'm sticking in there. Hello. Yes. So tell us a bit about your pod, first of all, for anyone who hasn't heard it. Oh, well, I'm, I'm, the first series is all about James Bond films. So I went film by film with a different guest each week. And I also did sort of side specials linked to Bond films. We did From a Doctor Now all the way to Spectre. And then I had a break while I reconfigured my brain. And then we've started a new series now where I'm doing Michael Caine films. Oh, right. So are you doing it in chronological order then? Do you, like, do you do Bond? No. No, just random. That, just would, random. that would be madness, wouldn't it? It would be madness. It would be. Does it, does it make any odds when you're assessing the films of Michael Caine that Michael Caine is, is, has come out as a... Well, he's, a, he's not even a closet Brexiteer. He's, a, he's an out and proud Brexiteer. No, he's Brexit McLexit. <laughs> he is. Um, yeah, yes, it, it's, it's problematic. I mean, it, you, you have to take that out of the equation when you're watching the old films, obviously, because you can't judge a person's art by their personality, otherwise no one would ever do anything. Um, but, it, yeah, it, it, it comes up a lot. We have and lost it, some it, heroes. We have lost some heroes to Brexit, haven't we? We have, haven't we? It's like a horrible war. Well, who's been the it's worst? Like the Infinity Brexit, Infinity <laughs> War. Who's yeah. been the, who, is, is Michael Caine the one that's broken your heart the most, John? Yeah, I think so. Steve? Yeah. Well, I mean, I would have, I would say, I would have said Ringo, but I've, I've just spent most of last weekend happily listening to all the White Album and the yeah. Escher demos and all of that, and it's absolutely marvellous. What was good though is yeah, the New McCartney album came out a couple of months ago. Yes. And there's a track on there called In Spite of All the Warnings, which he says is about global warming. Uh, you know, people, you were warned that this is happening anyway. And at the end, he has a little uh, outro where he starts singing The Will of the People. It's The Will of the People. So I'm thinking, Macca's a Remainer. Macca's a Remainer. We need Macca. Yeah. Michael, yeah. Michael Ken keeps saying, I'd rather be a poor master than a rich servant. Yeah. And, and variations on this. And then I was looking, the most recent interview with him, he said, I'd rather be a poor master of my fate than having someone I don't know making me rich by running my fate. I would much rather have, I'd just be, rather be made rich by somebody else. That's you? why I only yeah. date rich women, yeah. Is this a fatal well, flaw? I'm considering the last time Michael Caine was poor was probably about 1958. <laughs> yes, that's right. Um, is Michael is he a great is he a great actor Michael Caine? Yes, he is, isn't he? He is. He's a, he's a lazy actor, and he obviously he's done a lot of stuff for money. But when he is really interested in a project, like 
I had to watch Alfie recently. He's incredible in that. And, um, or yeah, Jaws, the, and like that. Jaws the Revenge. He's amazing in that. And Hoagie Carmichael, a pinnacle <laughs> performance. But, um, yeah, I think he's lazy. And I think he'd admit that himself readily. Um, but, yeah, when he's really into something, he's brilliant. And he's really great in there's and you can look this up on YouTube that you you the listener rather than you John me being condescending to you, <laughs> but but there's a fantastic thing on YouTube called Michael Caine teaches acting in film, which I think yeah. I I first watched on you know it was on BBC Two on a Saturday afternoon in in nineteen eight the nineteen eighties. It's absolutely mm. marvelous. Um, it is really good, although he does spend quite a lot of time saying don't ever blink. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a good, yeah. that's good advice. The, have you seen the Serafinovich parody? I have not seen that, no. Oh, seek it out. Peter Serafinovich does a spot on note perfect parody that's brilliant. I, I, shall, I will look for that. I mean, yeah. uh, of, all the, of all Michael Caine's films, there are so, Harry Brown is well Brexit, isn't it? Oh, big time, yeah. Explain why. I haven't seen it. Okay. Well, it's about. Being scared. It's about young people being horrible and asbos and all sorts of things like that. And it's about rather than um, I don't know. It's just it's just an undercurrent in it of um, old people uh, fought for this country. Old people did all this for this country, and therefore they should be, of course, treated with respect. But it's basically death wish with a pensioner. And does he go around killing people? Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. I, I, well, I should probably see this film. He's like a. But it sounds good, doesn't it? But it's not. Oh no, it's not. No, <laughs> no I won't bother. Yeah. He's like a he's yeah. like a more mobile Tony Martin basically. <laughs> he's like a Tony Martin who leaves his own home. Yeah, yeah. Tony Martin obviously house arrest. He's, yeah. he's out on death wish. That's right. What is? I mean, I, I presume that we, we can name most people can name. We'll be able to name the the the, the Michael Caine films that you like the most. Uh, mm. And and you know I was I was writing mine down earlier on and it was quite easy you know. Um, yeah. are, are there any sort of hidden gems in the Michael Caine canon that, that you will be um, investigating? Um, well, there's a few. The, 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 without a clue is very good if anyone's seen that. Where he's Sherlock Holmes. Yes, it's very I'm, funny. It is. The joke being Ben Kingsley plays Doctor Watson. The joke is it's a comedy. And the joke is that Ben Kingsley's Doctor Watson is the genius, and Holmes is an idiot. When was that from? That was from the late, either the late eighties or the early nineteen nineties. And somebody, somebody that I know or used to know rather, um, mm. is a prostitute. Plays a prostitute in it, Caroline oh. Milmo, who was in Bread and Coronation Street. Oh, Bread! Mm. I think she's she might even be goosed by Michael Caine in oh, an early scene. Yeah. Is she? Is who that right? It? Who was it that goosed my bomb? Is that what she says? Fantastic. (laughs) I like that Michael Caine film where he's like a con man in Europe. What's that one? Dirty Rotten Scoundrel. That's a good film. Yeah. Uh, John, is that a good film? Very good film. Yeah, I like that one. That's my favourite Michael Caine film. That would be in my my top five, along with all the other very obvious ones. Um, Moving on to to the reason that Smirshpod is called Smirshpod, are there are there any incarnations of James Bond from you know Connery to to Craig? Any are any of those incarnations? Would any of those Bonds have have actually voted for Remain? <laughs> oh. oh God! 
Um, it's another depressing. I'd, like I'd like to think Roger was being a UNICEF ambassador. <laughs> but being but, someone who has a, a degree of empathy lacking in your, your, your usual Brexit people, but Roger is someone who seemed to care about the world in general and the people in the world in general. So I'd like to think Roger would definitely be a Remain, but I can't speak for the rest. I think Pierce would be a Remainer. What about Timothy Dalton? Uh, I don't know about Dalton, because he lives in America, and that's usually a telltale sign oh. that they vote Brexit. Um, I don't know. I'd like to think so, because he's uh, well, you know, my favourite. I loved him. Um, but I don't know. I can't speak for him. But Roger, the evidence is there. You know, you're the ambassador. We have a we have a colleague um, who, whose favourite Bond is also Timothy Dalton, and I'm not sure why. That was the first Bond film I ever saw at the cinema, and I and it's yeah, a perfectly good film. But um, hmm. The Living Daylights, isn't it? Yes, perfectly good yeah. film. But I didn't think he was up to Connery and Moore. Why is he your favourite? Because he was just so different. I mean, you've got uh, you've got Connery, obviously Connery, then Moore comes along, and he's like this smoother, spreaded butter version of Connery where he's very smooth and, and James Bondy and then he does it for so long and then Dalton comes in and it's just like a massive slam door in the face of anybody who's into that sort of thing yeah. and it's like no we're going to go straight to the books now we're going to have head butting we're going to have no shagging about we're going to do my own stunts and it's just it was a, such a I don't, know, I, don't to, I don't want to say breath of fresh air because at the time I loved Roger but it was so different that it was exciting and that stayed with me because it was the second Bond I saw. My first Bond was Shoot to Kill. I saw it at the cinema. Yeah, great film. And 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 then I yeah, then I went to see The Living Day. And I, I don't I don't, I remember not knowing who Bond was. And they played with that at the beginning because they had that training mission where you didn't know which one was going to be 007. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was so exciting. I mean, he's just a beautiful man. He he's is my a... triumvirate of men I sleep with. <laughs> well, we can't. Is it? it are, the other, are the other two? other two us? The other two is Harrison Ford and Christopher Reeve. Oh, oh poignant yeah. at the end. There it is. It does go. It does go a bit poignant at the end. Yeah, oh, well, difficult. It, yeah, all <laughs> awkward. Um, which villains in, of, of the in the Bond canon would you see as being the the, 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 the most Brexiteers? I'm trying to think of the who is the guy who wants to who wants to submerge the world, cover the world in water, and then start again. Strongbow. Yes, of course, Strongbow. Strongberg, not Strongbow. Yes, so that would cover the world inside. He would cover <laughs> the world inside. That was part of his plan. Yeah, he was shot with shot in a pipe, wasn't he? Yes, he was much like a stronger actor. Yes, he was. All he needed was to <laughs> yeah. put an arrow in the pipe. He was. Yeah. He was. Yes, he was shot in the pipe. And that's not a euphemism. There was a pipe under the table. He was shot in the anus. Yes. What was his plan? How do you cover the? How did you do that? Which film was wow. this? That was Spy Love Me. Yes, it was. Yes. Well, I've seen that a million times. I wasn't paying attention. It's a great film, Spy Who Loved Me. You see, I would say that Drax from Moonraker is a, is a Brexiteer. However, I think he's a Remainer who's so sick of the Brexit process generally that he's decided to go to space and just nuke the world just to get rid of it. That's my favourite Bond film. Though. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Uh, just shut up and just get on with it. He's a, one of those. Yeah, he's like, for fuck's sake, that's it. I'm going to space with all these women <laughs> and mics and stuff. And I'm just going to drop this, this poison down. It won't kill any plants or anything. So when all the humans are dead and it's safe, I'm going to come back and just get rid of this fucking incessant Brexit word that's in the news every fucking day. Sorry, that's <laughs> <very much. laughs> 
it will return. Away. It'll return and we'll have taken back our sovereignty and our planet mm. in one fell swoop. Yeah. And and I mean conversely, of the mm. of the, 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 the sort of the horror show of the leading Brexiteers, who do you think would slip easily into the role of a, a Bond villain? Well, Bannon is like a great henchman. And I think, uh, I know he's not a Brexiteer, but he is in spirit. Like, Trump would be a very good Bond person. Yes. But apart from that, he's a fucking idiot. He is Mr. Wint and Mr. Kidd combined into one shell of a idiot. Um, Reese Mogg would be an interesting one, but he'd be a very slimy behind-the-scenes villain that you suspect the whole way through. Um, but, yeah, they're not really, because they're not very dynamic, are they? Like, everyone you point at, you can just see how they're not very... Interesting, like if I was on their side, not that there's anyone incredibly interested on the Remain side, I should point out. Um, but if I was on the Brexit side, I wouldn't be looking at any of them and thinking, "Cool, he's really inspiring," because they're not. No, I mean, to to his credit, I suppose Nigel Farage tried to do an action sequence, didn't he? But it did go, yeah. it did go slightly wrong. Yeah, well, that sometimes happens on Bond films, doesn't it? So you know, the game there, it's just. Uh... Well, it does. Well, it does. Do you think Brexit is is going to put in the... What kind of obstacles would Brexit put in the way of being an international super spy? Um, hmm. Well, I think you'd probably want to base your, uh, your base operations elsewhere. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, like how you never get... You don't really get bonds. It wouldn't make a difference to a bond bill. You don't really ever get ones who are based in England. Mainly because in the 1970s, the tax was so ridiculous. So obviously, they were thinking ahead of the game then. But it's going to be like that again. So they're all going to go back to Rio or um, Paris. Or So I don't think it'll make any difference to a Bond villain as such. But, um, but yeah. to Bond, I mean, he's going to spend most of his time in airport queues, isn't he, now, when he jets around the world? Well, you would have thought yeah. so, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's going to be the opening sequence for the next one. <laughs> well, he's just maybe he's just he's you know when he's hanging on the bottom of a lorry, but it's a lorry that's just stalled in at Kent, you know, in a huge. <laughs> it's in the stack. Yeah. When well, you think Daniel Craig looks old now, wait till he gets through that queue. <laughs> and I don't mean queue from Bond. That'd be a terrible mental image of him going through queue. What do now? What do we? That would be really disgusting. Yeah. Um, what do we, what do this is a, I mean this is a spoiler for people who've not yet enjoyed Smosh Pod, but what is the single takeaway from Q that we that we learn about during Smosh Pod? Well, he's got giant fat sausage fingers. He's got really revolting fingers, and this is they're horrible. They are. I now I now enjoy. I've enjoyed revisiting all of these films just to watch any shot where Desmond Llewellyn, and it's obvious they try and hide them in some. He's got rings on him so much. He's got oh, his fingers are disgusting. What? Well, 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 fingers particularly. I've never met anyone with disgusting fingers. I don't think. How, what's the difference between my fingers and your fingers? Well, his fingers are really just they're they're unwieldy for a start, aren't they? And uh... they're like coconut crabs. Never <laughs> 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 been a coconut crab. He's got a pair of them on the end of his arms. 
it's 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 quite revolting. It's a it's a revolting uh, a revolting image and um, and an image that is almost as revolting as Brexit itself. Um, <laughs> thank you, John. Before we before we let you go, I've got to yeah. say one of the one of the highlights of Smirsh Pod, which I strongly recommend to new European podcast listeners. Um, uh, if you're not already obsessed with it as I am, is is towards the end you've always got a celebrity guest. A glamorous celebrity yeah. guest, and towards the end, you ask them uh, to come up with a name for their favourite, um, a James Bond uh, name that has not been used yet, uh, a, a, mm. the name of a, a future James Bond film. Um, there, there have been some good ones, haven't there? James Bond and the Spooky Old Tree was, I think, was, <laughs> yeah. was my favourite. What else was there? Oh, God, I can't remember now. Sorry about this. Uh, That's all right, I remembered. Yeah, uh, no, it's completely gone. I'm sorry. So, so I guess what I'm asking you is, if there was a um, a James Bond uh, Brexit themed James Bond film, what would the title of that be? Sovereignty will forever be. <laughs> Sovereignty will forever be. And who will the yeah. next James Bond be? What uh, is seriousness or is it a joke? Not well, either both. Uh, well, I, I quite like. Um, I quite like uh, Tom Hardy. I can't get away from it. He's like, uh, yeah, it's like something I keep seeing. I keep thinking, I keep thinking and going, no, no, no. And then I see him. I think he'd be good. Dan Stevens, I like. Yes. Uh, after watching The Guest, I'm convinced he'd be very good. Um, but it's, you know, I see, I see someone every week that I think could probably be quite good. Yes. Stephen, do it. I would. I'm ready. I'm prepared yeah, to do I'm it. Like, I'll go with Steve. I'm even, for me, it'll be you, Steve. I'm even more miserable than Daniel Craig, so that's... Um... But you look better in trunks. <laughs> By the way, that is not possible, to be more miserable than Daniel Craig. No, he's really sucked the life out of it, hasn't he? Jesus Christ. At least he's doing another one. <laughs> oh, God. Oh dear. So anyway, Tom Hardy in Sovereignty Will Forever Be. Look out for that yeah. in cinemas. John Rain, hey, thank you very you. much. Yeah, no, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure, sir. Thank you, John. All the best. Brexiteer of the Week. Welcome back. This is the new European podcast brought to you in association with Progress, the centre-left Labour pressure group, changing Labour policy, stopping a Tory hard Brexit, marching for a people's vote, your remain home in Labour. Join today for just £3 per month at prog.rs forward slash join. That is prog, P-R-O-G dot R-S forward slash join, J-O-I-N. Steve, Brexiteer of the Week. The Brexiteer of the Week. Well, shall we start with, um, we'll, we'll do the noms, and, and let's start nom. with nom, nom, noms. And shall we, uh, let's start with uh, Tim Tim Martin. He's the chairman of uh, Weatherspoons, as, as we know. He's the, the patron saint of the <laughs> morning drinker. It is an extraordinary um, thing. I Well, as the listener and... I know you live in a Weatherspoons. I live above a Weatherspoons. Right, not quite. Yeah. You play it down like you live in some little pokey little flat over the Weatherspoons. Yeah, not quite yeah. like that. But so I have to. But I walk past it every day to work. Yes. And often there are people sat outside drinking pints of beer, aren't they? There are, yeah. And often the, they are you and me. Yeah. No, true. Really. But I mean, there's an. I'm interesting... boycotting Weatherspoons. I know you are. But there's an interesting point about whether we should open pubs that early. What do you think? Uh, I no, I, th- I think I, I, I'm, I'm one for the much earlier. Yeah, <laughs> I'm in the five o'clock somewhere. Club. Well, good for them. I no, see. I've, I've got to say it's I, you know. 
I, I think that pubs are open far too early. We're old school like that, aren't we? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Not until 11. Let's go back to 3 three p.m. closing. Oh, I used to kick you out on a 2 p.m. on a yeah, Sunday. Yeah, 2 p.m. on a Sunday, kick you out for a few hours. And then Sunday was, Sunday was you, the pubs were shut between 2 and 7, weren't they? That's right, and then you go back at 7 and win a meat tray. Absolutely. Do you remember the that? Meat, the meat, meat raffle. Yeah, oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, it was that. really good. Anyway, sorry, and, I jumped and in. And the, the ridiculous idea was that you would spend some time with your family. Or in between. In between. <laughs> but you just went over and snored on the imagine sofa. Imagine that. Yeah, well, you'd been drinking heavily for the previous two to, hours. Because you had to get them in quick. You, yes, yes, yes. Who who among us has not arrived at 11.58 on a Sunday, eager for the 120 minutes of drinking that would follow? Anyway. <laughs> Sorry, Tim Martin. Tim. So, Tim Martin. So, I've got a new... I've got a new favourite publication. The New European is only my second favourite publication oh, that well, writes about Brexit. Have now. To work hard, so and it is back. my new favourite publication is Weatherspoon News. I am aware of it, uh, and um, I, I saw this. The new issue of Weatherspoon News is online now. Oh, it's you can on, get it it's online. On, it's on, on the Weatherspoon's website. You can download to see it. What sort of hits it gets? And um, well, they claim that it has a readership of two million. Although I think they just say two million people come in our pubs <laughs> where it is available. Anyway, right. If only readership was as simple as it that. It was easy. Yeah, yeah. We Sixty million people read walk, the New European. Walk past newsstands that the New European <laughs> is available on. Um, and it says on the website, unlike the Financial Times and the business section of the Times, we present both sides of the argument in respect of the EU. The Witherspoon's news is compared... Is it Wither, Weatherspoon's? Weatherspoon's? The yeah. Weatherspoon's news is comparing itself... Yes. As, as a like-for-like publication to like the for, FT and the business yes, section. Well, no, it's not comparing it as like-for-like. Like. It's saying it's better than better that. Than. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, we present both sides of the argument in respect to the EU. So it's saying it's more fair. So I thought I would um, I would test this out. Yeah. Um, and I had a look at the winter edition of Weatherspoon's News. Uh, it, it presents both sides of the argument. Um, and the front cover it has got a picture of Theresa May and she is begging, she's doing, it's like a deal or no deal thing, and she's on the phone to the EU saying, just give us any deal, please. Then there's a whole opening spread with Tim Martin's viewpoint, and spoilers for this, he doesn't like the EU very much. Um, then um, then uh, we have to go back quite a bit, and then there are a, a few opinion pieces, and three of them are from Remainers. Uh, one of them is from uh, Caroline Fairburn of the yes. CBI. One of them is from Philip Stevens uh, of the Financial Times. One of them is Martin Wolf from the Financial well, let, Times. Let me stop you there because so far what you've described to me seems like a fair and balanced publication. It's very fair, except for the fact oh. that all of these articles are prefaced by comments from Tim Martin. <laughs> I'm not going to read them all, but this is how he intros Caroline Fairburn. <laughs> The equal worst financial judgment in the last 40 years emanates from the CBI. The latest director Fairburn, is, the latest director general is Caroline Fairburn, who has an awful record in making predictions about things. Here she is one year ago predicting Armageddon because of the spectre of no deal. Wrong again, Caroline. And then there are columns by more Brexity people, yeah. uh, and they get intros like the brilliant Cambridge University <laughs> professor, the very intelligent Tony Abbott, another illuminating article. So I did a little cut-and-paste uh, word count, about 10,000 words 
of the um, of the Weatherspoons news are about Brexit, the winter issue. I'm sure you're absolutely delighted by that. If you've got in for a, oh. a, a you know a high strength lager at, at 9:58 uh, a.m., um, about 7,500 of those words are supporting Leave. There's even a letter from a bloke in Canada where Tim Martin starts going on about how he loves Canada because his rugby team toured British Columbia at school when he was 17 and everyone was really kind to him. And then by the end, he's going on about the intellectuals who brainwashed Europe uh, uh, into uh, sleeping into a situation where democratic power has been ceded to the unelected. Um, How is a Canadian person... Becoming aware of well, he co- he comes over to Britain and he likes the weather spoons. You see, when right, he comes over, right. and he thinks, oh, I'll um, just into this. Publication. I've got to say though that there are some signs of dissent within the weather spoons empire mm. because, and I'm Tim Martin won't have spotted this, no. but on pages twelve and thirteen of the winter edition of Weather Spoons News, there is a brilliant feature about a new brand of gin from Manchester. And the headline over it is Unicorns for All in This Wondrous Realm. And whoever has laid out that page is clearly taking the piss. I've got uh, this brilliant vision of this... Um, this unicorn gym, by the way. This, oh, if they would like to sponsor the pot. Yeah, they're from Manchester as well. <laughs> I bet it's lovely. Um, in fact, they could just send us some gin. Yeah, that would be that fine. Would be, I, I'm I would to... be welcome, willing to mention unicorn gin. <laughs> Lots of times just for gin. Um, for gin alone, unicorn gin. I reckon that there's a there's this this editor of the the um, Witherspoons News. Yes. What's his name? He, the, the editor of the Witherspoons News is not Tim Martin. It is a bloke called Eddie Gershon. Now um, I reckon Eddie is trying his trying his best, and he's getting these people. He is. He's, he's buying these articles. Yeah, in. yeah. So we've got a brilliant one. I've got Caroline Fairburn oh, here. It's going to be great. We should splash this, boss. And he's just, and he, the, the proofs come to do mine. You just put in red lines. No, write this. He just scrawls <laughs> against. those scrawls on them. Print this. Do you know when I was at a conference in Birmingham? Yes. Tim Martin at Tory conference. Tim Martin did some fringe events. Yes. Which I, I think I went to one. The other one. It was difficult to get into. But late on in the evening, I was in the Hyatt Hotel bar mm. and um, and just across the road pretty much from the... Uh, well, literally, you left the secure zone, there's a um, Weatherspoons. I would say Witherspoons. Yeah, why do you say Witherspoons? Is it because of our colleague Matt Withers? Oh, it could be, yeah. Or yeah. you could love the the, um, the, great, the boxer Tim Witherspoon who was knocked out by Mike Tyson, That's right, he? yeah, yeah. Yeah, with uh, his fist, not with his spoon. Did he knock out Frank Bruno, Mike, uh, <sighs> Tim Witherspoon? I don't know. I think Matt Withers did. Matt Withers did. Yeah. Um, but uh, he was also done for cocaine, wasn't he, Tim Witherspoon? Oh, I thought we were Leading, getting to hit off yeah. trouble there. We probably shouldn't be talking about this on the pod. Leading to the joke: How does Tim take his cocaine oh, yeah, with right, a spoon? With a spoon. That's <laughs> right. Which was a great joke at the time. <laughs> um, yes, he was. Yes. Uh, and and so, hundred yards from the door. Yep. There is a Weatherspoons pub. Yes. Tim Martin was sipping a glass of something nice in the whole thing. Yeah. Something nice and British. Carrot juice, but. Probably a British. I don't know if he went over to see his pub or not. British Cabernet Sauvignon or something like that. Yeah. Cabernet Savignon. Oh, Cabernet Savignon. Yeah. Um, Next up, Suella Braverman. Yeah. Uh, Formerly Fernandez. Formerly Fernandez. Former chairman of Uh, the ERG. Yeah, I mean, we've we've not talked enough about Suella. Suella Deville, some people call her, don't they? Very cruel. 
that is on this cool. on this podcast. She's almost exactly four months younger than me. It's about a year ago. Older. It's about a year ago that she was on Question Time. I don't know if you remember this. I do, yeah. and brilliant on Question Time, and so somebody said, "Well, we're going to have to pay this divorce bill to the EU." And she said, no, that's, this is all part of Project Fear. It, uh, let me issue a health warning. You don't believe this stuff. The scaremongering about having to pay to leave the EU is not true. And just afterwards, we agreed to pay £39 billion uh, to the EU to leave, and she showed her disapproval of that by joining the government as a minister in the Brexit department. Um, she's back, Suella Braverman, because she's resigned from that job now, hasn't she, in, in the failed coup against Theresa May. Mm. Um, and she's written an article for The Telegraph talking about um, her resignation. And she said uh, she never intended to resign. And she said, as a new minister working on the historic mission of withdrawing from the EU, my plan was to give it all. So I find myself stunned it's come to this. How did it get to this point? Am I extreme? Am I, am I an extremist? Did I fail to compromise? Yes. <laughs> That's moving fairly, swiftly fairly on. Straightforward. Yeah, yeah. The answer to those two questions, Suella, is yes. Yes. Um, moving swiftly on, Nadine Dorries. Uh, uh, I personally don't want to be seen to be responsible for ousting our second female prime minister. Said Nadine Dorries. Well, that's very thoughtful week, of her. Just after. Signing one of the letters. I'm not surprised uh, that Nadine Doris doesn't understand how this process works. It's, it's, it's incredible, isn't it? The list of things that Nadine Doris doesn't quite understand continues to grow. Stephen Wolf, he seems nice, doesn't he? Wolfie. Wolfie, uh, he's a UKIP MEP. Have you seen that great picture of Nigel Farage visiting him in hospital? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's one of my favourite pictures of Nigel Farage. They always seem very close friends. They are, yeah, quite good chums. Good, my favourite picture good, good of Nigel picture. Farage, and it's not the you know, it's not the ones that you might be thinking of, but it is the one of him um, in his little tiny kitchen watching the. Oh, yeah. was, what was he watching? Uh, the Queen's the the Jubilee. Something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 It's Queen, the Queen's speech. He's watching it on a tiny portable colour <laughs> television in his own kitchen. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, now, Stephen Wolfe, who did he attempt to claim for Brexit last week? Do you know this? Oh, yes. Yeah, go on. Um, uh, Freddie Mercury. Freddie Mercury, he did. And that was because, because Donald Tusk yeah. uh, had quoted the Queen lyric, friends will be friends right until the end. And Stephen Wolfe was furious about this and he wrote, <laughs> Freddie Mercury also said, I want to break free... 17.4 million of us still do, and we won't forget your so-called friendship ever. Why now they get so worked up about the Freddie Mercury. I mean, who knows what Freddie Mercury thought about Brexit? I would hazard a little guess that he wouldn't have been massively Brexit. Well, I'm not sure. He wasn't it, born in this country. Yeah, exactly. He he, he had uh, you know he had fairly liberal views, flamboyantly camp. Yeah, you know. I mean, he would have fitted right in at the UKIP conference. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, basing the idea, you know, of Freddie Mercury's political views based on Freddie Mercury's lyrics, you know, he, he, Freddie Mercury also wrote, I suck your mind, you blow my head, let's make love inside your bed. Yeah. I'm not going to base a manifesto on that. Well, it um, would have done better than Theresa May's last one. Well, it might, it might have done, <laughs> Although yeah. if she was delivering those words, that would be rather scary. It would it? be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would be really, really good. Wow, that was good as when she danced. What if she made? What if she got it mixed up? 
in the manner of one of my favourite episodes of Seinfeld is when um, when George Costanza has to deliver a, um, a a speech about the direction that he's going to take the the bus- this business that he's working in in and um, and it gets mixed up with um, a, a routine that Jerry Seinfeld has written for <laughs> one of his friends and so he stands up at this business conference and says what's the deal with Ovaltine have you seen this stuff the cup is round the tin is round they should call it round tin and you see him frank <laughs> frantically riffling through these uh, th- these notes um uh, anyway but it would be great if Theresa may stood up and said uh, i want to announce that my new policy position is i suck your mind you blow my head let's make love hang on a minute is the inside your bed Actually, it might go down quite well. That well, could possibly sell the... Free sex for all under could, Theresa May. Could this sell the, the, I mean, the Brexit deal? I, uh... Uh, <laughs> it's worth saying that the, possibly the, the closest person professionally to Freddie Mercury uh, was Brian May, mm. his bandmate, guitar player, co-writer, mm-hmm. who recently... Said, he loves badges. He does look like a badger fancier. He fancies them badges. Uh, badgers and Anita Dobson. His hair look-alike and lover. Yes. Um, and he, Brian May recently <laughs> said, uh, Brexit is a disaster. Oh, poor uh, The losses that are caught... Oh, no, so sad. It's Christmas Day. What's Venice? Venice, it's all about deception. <laughs> when she put that little mask up to her face. Oh, doing all the acting. Doing all the acting. Um, yeah, Brian May, Brexit is a disaster. Brexit is the dumbest thing Britain has ever done in my lifetime. Talking of dumb things, um, Jeremy Corbyn's brother doesn't do some funny tweets, doesn't he? Piers Corbyn? (laughs) Piers Corbyn. Piers Corbyn? Well, you see, I think... He's a weather forecaster, isn't he? I think He owns a weather forecasting company. He is a weather forecaster, but I think I knew of Piers Corbyn before I knew of Jeremy Corbyn. Right, okay. Because um, I was... I covered the last... Um, one of the famous squats in Brixton. Oh yeah, uh, to be kicked out. Oh yeah, yeah. And he was sort of around and about that scene for many years. Was he? Yeah. Um, in fact, the picture of him included in this week's New European is from the mid seventies when he was um, a very active campaigner for those. Uh, there were big rows and rows of houses. Yes, Magdalene yeah. Road, I think, was one of them. Oh right, okay. Um, and they, you know, they had all the houses on the on the, the, the council had condemned and. Um, yeah, so I was aware of him. I think first, and he, um, he's he's out there. Do you think he pops around on Christmas Day? Because uh, yes, I, it'd be, it'd be amazing that, uh, to be a, oh to be a fly on the wall. Oh, what larks <laughs> you would have because because uh, Jerry Corbyn's brother Piers has called for all uh, EU flags in Britain to be burned on Brexit Day. Yeah. Uh, he tweeted, uh, the only way is no deal Brexit. On 29th of March 2019, all vestiges, flags, symbols, anything of the EU in the UK must be destroyed. Yeah. The Royal Navy must seize back our fishing waters and Remainist MPs, Remainist MPs must be forced to resign. Theresa May is worse <coughs> than Marshal Patan of Vichy France. Yes. Imagine a family when Jeremy Corbyn is only the second biggest Eurosceptic. Wow, that's pretty good, isn't it? Well, I mean, 
he he was on a documentary recently about those squats. Actually, it's, I think it's an open. What's it? Mm. It's very he squatted on the floor in a precursor of. I his think he brothers. did live in one of the squats. I don't think did he does it? any longer. But he's he, he's filmed. Uh, I, I seem to remember they, they film him in his office, and I think. Um, I mean, your office is is rather squat like, squat like. But his is it, it, there's a lot going on in that office. Is there? Yeah. A lot going on. Uh, and finally, the Brexit series of the week. Yes, is, it's Nigel Farage. Oh, I think we do need to tell you up, and still no one's done that. So nicotine stain man, he must be the biggest Brexit. He's back, 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 and he was turned up to the National Curry Awards. Yeah. Um, he likes a curry, Nigel Farage. Yeah, I had curry for lunch, did you? Uh, I did have curry for Which lunch. Which one did you have? I had fish. Oh, me Very too. Nice. Very nice. Very nice. And he turned up on stage at the uh, the National Curry Awards, and, and he was booed by the attendees. <laughs> and he didn't he didn't seem to like being booed, and he said, thanks for sponsoring my salary for so many years. What did he mean by that? Did he mean just because he was an MEP? I think so, yeah. It's a really shitty thing to say, is that? Well, it's surprising, that, isn't it? Nigel Farage says something that's insensitive. Mm. Um, and it's becoming quite a familiar feeling for Nigel Farage, isn't it? He was, last month, when uh, Merkel turned up, doing a lap of honour, turned up, to the European Parliament, he made a really uh, nasty speech about Germany uh, and was booed by the public gallery in the European Parliament. Uh, the month before, he was um, jeered um, the Late Late Show, um, which is a, an Irish TV programme, came over to London uh, and did a, a, a week of programmes in front of an audience of, um, of Irish people in London. Uh, and Nigel Farage was on one of them. He was one with Alistair Campbell, wasn't he? Mm. And he basically said Brexit is the same as the battle for Irish independence, and um, and um, that didn't go down very well, and he was roundly booed there. Um, and meanwhile, uh, as a result of the, the atmosphere that he has created, Britain is losing one curry house per day uh, to closure, 5,000 predicted to shut down over the next decade. The reason for this is that the government introduced this ridiculous scheme blocking migrants who are earning less than £35,000. And, of course, um, most, of the, uh, most of the curry houses in, in Britain are owned by uh, Bank- Bangladeshi yeah. families and chefs come over from Bangladesh, highly trained chefs come over from Bangladesh, mm-hmm. but, you know, they are not usually paid over £35,000. And in fact, um, the Ollie Khan, who's an award-winning chef and was a really public face of leave during the referendum campaign, um, uh, I saw an interview with him um, recently and he said, I've been living in this country for 30 years, never seen a crisis like the one we're facing at the moment in this industry. We've been given lots of false hopes and we were used in the referendum. So Nigel Farage... Brexiteer of the week, and he's, he's spoiling the, the, the curry situation not only for all of us but also for himself. That's, it's a real shame about the curry houses, isn't it? A real shame. Let's what's your favourite curry house in the, in the whole world? My favourite curry house in the, in the whole I think I don't think there's many good curry houses in London. Well, I tell you, well, Vera Schwami in London is very good. Is it's very expensive. Lane? No, it's in um, it, it's off in London's fashionable West End. Oh no, I'm not uh, there are loads and loads of great ones in Rushome, where I used to live in Manchester. So Rushome is the second best place to get a curry, I think, uh, in the country. And um, and I'm trying to think of uh, I'm trying to think of um, uh, 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 the other ones that I've been to. I mean, Birmingham is 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 really Lots good. Lots of good curries in Birmingham, uh, which is Leicester. It's good for a oh, curry. Oh, is it? Really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, I've had some great curries. Uh, I've had some great curries down the years. But the best curry house in the whole country yeah. is Akbar's in Bradford. And if you'd like to sponsor the pod, <laughs> again, <laughs> I'll tell you what a curry would go down nicely with from Akbar's in Bradford: a bit of unicorn gin. Yes, it would. That would be very nice. And do you know what? Akbar's in Bradford is only a short jaunt away from Manchester, where unicorn gin comes from. That's right. Brilliant, tremendous. And if they'd both like to sponsor the pod, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're open to. What should the listener do right now? Well, send us some gin. Send us a curry. <laughs> Uh, but you could join the New European Readers Group on Facebook. You could like the New European uh, page on Facebook. If you wanted to support our work to stop Brexit, you could go to steadyhq.com, steadyhq.com, search for the New European, and you can support our crowdfunder there. Uh, just commit a small amount um, each month to uh, to keeping us going. Um, if you are into Twitter... Uh, then you can follow the New European at the New European, and you can follow me at Sanglesey, S-A-N-G-L-E-S-E-Y. Or you can follow me at Porritz, P-O-R-R-I-T-T. That was the New European Podcast, brought to you in association with Progress, the centre-left pressure group, changing Labour policy, stopping a Tory hard Brexit, marching for a people's vote, your remain home in Labour. Join now at prog.rs forward slash join. If you haven't already, go out and buy the paper. It's another cracking front. There's lots of great stuff in there as well. Lots of politics, lots of Brexit and tons and tons of culture if you just need a break from this constant Brexit madness. We will be back next week. Until then, Mr Campbell, play your bagpipes. Here you go. are on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.